0: Hi everybody, it's Mr. B here and welcome back for another podcast. I'm glad I can be in your ears for the next few minutes. Now, um, one thing that keeps coming up again and again, and I often get this question, is why is my child not enjoying reading? Now there's many factors that go into this. One, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my experience um, and where I have come from uh, and that might help you get an insight into perhaps why your child's not enjoying reading, why you may be having tantrums, you may be having butting of heads that sort of thing going on. Um, so, so let's look at look at it as adults to start with. If we do something and it doesn't go too well we tend not to want to go and do that thing again. Right? It's the same for our kids. So let's just pretend, and we're going to put our Master Chef hats on at the moment. This is a bit different, isn't it? So we're just going to say that George Calambaras has invited us all to, for a free year-long training session in cooking desserts. And we all get to go to the MasterChef kitchen, and the first lesson starts and the first lesson is actually on sponge cakes. Now, I am not a very successful cook. I'm a blank slate when it comes to cooking. So we're in the MasterChef kitchen and we're mixing up the stuff and things and I'm breaking eggs and I'm cracking whatnots and egg whites and stuff. You get the picture. So this goes on and the first lesson seems to be going well. I'm enjoying it and we're having a good yak. Everybody in the benches beside me, we're having having a chat and then the end of the lesson comes and we all pull our sponge cakes out of the oven and we're going across and I can see oh wow Stephanie's done a magnificent job and I can see the look on George's face he's very happy with her sponge cake Kate, uh, Megan they've all done a wonderful job and then I pull my sponge cake out of the oven and the big billowing black smoke comes out and I, I put this lump of charcoal on the bench in front of George and George doesn't say anything okay he's being very kind but I can see the expression on his face and I know looking at my sponge cake and looking at everybody else's sponge cake that mine is a little bit substandard so that's where I'm at at the moment and I'm looking around and I'm comparing I'm comparing my sponge cake to everybody else's sponge cake and it's it's obviously not as good and now you might hear the term don't compare everybody compares and I see this in the school system um, more than, than other areas that I've worked in governments compare, states compare, schools compare we have testing to compare one student to another student social groups compare, kids compare you know it, it's just a fact um, and as much as we like to think that we're not comparing, often it isn't the case. So, there I am, I've compared my sponge cake to everybody else's I'm not feeling great about my first attempt at sponge cake cooking in the Master Chef kitchen. So what do I do? I suck it up and take a breath and I go home and I think about that substandard sponge cake but I you know, that was the first lesson. So I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to get it. And of course I am. So I go back and I continue to go back. And George is giving the lesson over and over again. And we're cooking sponge cakes week after week until we're getting them perfect. And I look around um, at the end of each lesson and I'm still comparing. And I can see that, that Kate and Stephanie and other members of the Master Chef kitchen are, are moving on. And they're starting to produce fondant. And they're making the pretty little flowers with icing. And they're doing those sorts of things. So uh, my sponge cake has improved, I must say. There's no more smoke coming out of the oven, which is a good sign. It's still black, and it's still hard, and it's still not as good as everybody else's. I'm nowhere near putting fondant onto it yet. Okay, so this goes on for a few weeks. So what George says is, Jeremy, I think it's time we get you a tutor. Oh, let's do that because I'm really not feeling great, George, about the way I'm cooking sponge cakes. And he's telling me, yes, need need some improvement. Maybe you could work a little harder. Uh, Maybe you could apply yourself more. (laughs) These are things I heard in my reports earlier. So, yes, we do. And Gary's got some time. So Gary is going to come and help me at my home and tutor me in sponge cake cooking, which I'm feeling relieved about because I do need something else. So that's happens for a few few months, and I have I have George and I have Gary helping me produce the ultimate sponge cake, and the lessons are going better. I'm seeing improvement, um, and I, I do produce, in fact, a sponge cake that, that is not black and it's risen and it's it's edible, which I, which I think is amazing. Until I look around and nobody else in the class is on sponge cakes anymore they've moved on to other desserts and I can see that Stephanie has cooked an amazing croquembouche I'm nowhere near a croquembouche um, I can see that Kate is doing one of those egg creations that, that we see on, on the MasterChef show. I am Even though I made improvements, I'm still not feeling good and people are being very positive and they're telling me, oh, Jeremy, you've really come a long way. You've done so well. I'm still comparing and I'm seeing that I haven't done as well as others in the class. So what does George say to me now? He says, Jeremy, stick with it, buddy. We're we're going to get Adriano to sit with you half an hour of that lesson each and every day. And this is going to help kickstart your cooking process so that we can have the ultimate sponge cake, okay? And then you can move on. Great, I say. So another couple of months goes by, and I've got George, I've got Gary, I've got Adriana helping me in the class, and Wacko the Diddley-O, you haven't heard that since the 70s, we have the most amazing sponge cake, and I'm really proud of this sponge cake because it's turned out exactly as it was meant to. That's well and good, and then I see George walking down looking at everybody's cakes at the end of the lesson, and yes, we've got crock and bushes and we've got these most amazing independent desserts that no one would have thought of that people are making. And in fact, I go home, I turn on the ABC, and here's three of the people in my class who are actually, actually have their own mini-series, Cooking Desserts in the Desert. <laughs> um, I, And I think, wow, look how far they've come. So what am I doing? I'm still comparing myself and my sponge cake against everybody else's. So let's say that six months into the year worth of lessons, I really am not feeling great about my sponge cake cooking ability. And in fact, I never want to cook a sponge cake again as long as I live now i have the choice to leave the master chef kitchen and that's what i'm going to do because I'm, I'm a little bit sick and tired of going there and failing in my mind again and again and again Okay, and it's a big thing to change um, people's outlook when they're when they're in this state and that's what we found with thousands of children and this was myself included um, so i have the cho- choice to leave the master chef kitchen our children who are learning to read and struggling with it often are seeing it as a sign and they're comparing themselves to others that they aren't able to do things like everybody else. They don't, they can't leave the MasterChef kitchen though and in an effort to help them out, what do we do? We give them more and more of something they don't like. So we, we attempt to give them tutors, we attempt to uh, give them extra work as teachers to do at home, we have special reading groups, you get the picture. Independent learning plans. So, so, in the eyes of a child in a negative mind, it's a constant reminder that, hey, I don't think I'm doing very well because my best mate isn't having to do all these things, and I am. So, as a struggling learner, a struggling reader, for me and for many kids that I do help out now we tend to either withdraw or we become the class clown and I did both at school. At primary school I was uh, (laughs) I was the one who would hide and try to avoid reading at high school I was the child sitting in the hallway because I didn't want others to see that I couldn't, that I wasn't fluent that I didn't understand. I didn't have a choice to not read, but I develop strategies to avoid it. Okay, now there are some things you can do to help. And if you're hearing the I can't, the I'm dumbs, I don't want to, then that's a sign that that child is thinking negative thoughts about their learning. And we can stop the negative talk. We can work on the mindset side of things for sure and I'm sure that everybody out there that's listening right now is doing the utmost to try and change that. The other thing that we can do is to change their ability to learn and their ability to comprehend whether it's visually or verbally and that is by rewiring the brain and that's where brain plasticity has been a major influence in what we've done in the last 10 years so, that's an area to look into, the mindset side and the ability side. If you can raise one, you can raise the other, so if you can raise ability, okay, raise their ability to comprehend and learn, then you can raise their confidence. The reverse is also true, if you can raise their confidence in any area, then their ability tends to rise with it. The two go hand in hand. and. I know that was a little bit different, wasn't it, comparing reading to the MasterChef kitchen. But um, I hope it was of some value. And I hope that amazing things are happening for you and your family and your child right now. And hopefully the butting of heads and the arguments can cease a little. All right. Fantastic. Thanks for joining me. And thanks for letting me uh, talk a little bit about my understanding from from the kids that we've helped and my own challenges. And you have the most amazing day. It's over and out from Mr. B. And give your child a high five for me. Bye for now, guys.